0: Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to look at your word and continue on our, on our topic. And we just thank you for each person that's here. We ask your guidance and lead, leading as we go through this. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, today we're going to be looking at bond slave. And before we start, we're going to, we're going to look at what it really t- talks about. Bond slave was a very specific type of slave. And in the New Testament, it doesn't talk so much about bond slaves. It talks about servants. Uh, a bond slave in the Hebrew was one who said that after he, when he was supposed to be released after seven years said I like my I Love like my I like kingdom. my master yeah. I like the life I've got I want st- to I want to remain as their servant for the, you know and, and they voluntarily gave up their freedom to be that person's servant in the Hebrew, in the Greek the word that is used as servant or slave in the ones that we're going to look at is doulos and it literally means one who gives himself up to another's will. Okay, which is a little more than a slave, okay? Because a slave could be voluntary or involuntary. Uh, but this particular word for do loss literally means that it was more of a voluntary. I am choosing to be this person's servant or slave. I mean, you may have started out, but you, you took that next step of saying, I am going to. And another definition that I like even better, one who gives himself wholly to another's will. With a okay? W? Yes, with a W. Uh, so as we look at these words, this is the definition we're going to be really looking at. One who gives himself wholly or completely to another's will. And that's what God is wanting us to do in His to him is to give ourselves completely. And so many people who say they're Christians are not slaves to christ or servants to christ they are okay i I accept you i want to i want you to be my you know my savior but not necessarily lord and master and if he was to ask them to do something it's like are you crazy and uh this is this is you know they probably wouldn't be that blunt to to god and you know and and i'm and i like to bring that out you know normally what we really what we do speaks louder than what we say you know you know, God says, you know, God's leading us to do something, and we don't do it. And basically what we are saying, God, you're absolutely nuts. I'm not, I'm not going to go do that, okay? Otherwise, we'd be doing it. <laughs> now, we probably never in our cra- you know, wildest dreams would say, God, you're, you're nuts, but <laughs> isn't that what we really do when we don't do what we know he's telling us to do? You know, uh, and it's very important for us to be that, that way. So we're going to be starting out in 1 Corinthians, chapter 7. Starting at verse 22. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise, also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price, be ye not servants of men. So we want to look at this. For he that is called in the Lord. And this is somebody who's called by name. And this is where we read that God calls people. And we, we're, we're all called and not all are chosen. Okay, God is trying to reach out. He's trying to draw people in. But this calling is even a little deeper. It is those who are actually called and walk in his way. They're called in the Lord and it says being a servant being a doulos giving my will completely to God that takes time and it's hard for us none of us have ever given ourselves completely to God I can't remember which theologian I want to say it was Moody but he says the world has never seen what a man completely devoted to God can do and just imagine if we were to devote ourselves completely to God what could we do with God (laughs) be our doing whatever God wanted us to do always always doing whatever God wants us to do we look at what Jesus did you know miracles resurrections uh, you know able to talk to everybody and, and win the argument because he's listening to God if we were wholly devoted to God man what a life we would have might end up crucified but man what a life we'd have while we live and this idea, the person who's called is being a servant is the Lord's free man, and this is kind of interesting. This is it's kind of a play on words that God, that Paul is doing here. The person who is God's servant is His free man. Now, a free man here in Greek literally means an end of the, a slave that has been released from servitude. So we go to be His servant. we, we give our life completely over to him, our will completely over to his will, and it brings us freedom. And as contradictory as this seems when we first say it, it's very, very true. People, when they're, when they're really depressed, if you're in a place where you're depressed or having a hard time, usually the answer to getting out of that, and I'm going to say almost always, is go help people. Go help somebody else. <laughs> And your depression and your, your, your lack of uh, joy ends up disappearing because you start focusing on somebody else. And then you get to watch how they're responding to the help.
1: There's always somebody richer than us and somebody poorer than us. You know, you'll always find, the poor will always be with us. Mm-hmm. Or Paul said it probably too. Yeah. that saying has really hit my heart. it says there's always the poor will always be with us. And there's always somebody richer that and we can envy, even if we're rich.
0: And we can't and we can't uh, compare anyway because it is very important. Because those people we think we're envious and we talk about it all the time in Proverbs and, and Psalms. Those are that we think we envy because they seem to have everything all together. Yeah. It's literally that they seem to. Yeah. Most of the time they don't have it all together. And they've got problems, and sometimes they have bigger problems. A lot of times the rich have a big problem because they don't know who they can trust because everybody's out to get their money. And, you know, trying to take what they can and get what they can from them. And when they die, their families totally fall apart so often because their kids all fight about who gets the money and Uh, everything. People
1: donate to the poor, or when they die, uh, how, uh, or before they die, it's better to do it before you die than after.
0: Because you your family's going to argue over it. All
1: right.
0: But this whole idea that God says, "Being His servant leads you to freedom," and it really is true. The more we serve God, the more free. At least it's been for me. The more free I feel. The more I do for God, the more I feel free. And this whole idea, if I'm doing His will, then I'm I'm free. I'm not I'm not bound up says likewise also he that is called being free and this is free born this is somebody who's not a slave is christ's servant so paul's saying whether you're a slave or free you're to be christ's servant but our true freedom comes from being a servant to him pretty pretty interesting way to look at things and it's one of those many places where when god starts talking it when you first look at it it may not make a lot of sense uh, you know, Jesus says that if you want to be the, the, the ruler of all, you know, be, the, be the number one, you've got to be last, you've got to be the servant of all. And yet, when we do it, we see that it's true. When we serve others, we get elevated. And this is even true in the business world. If you will take God's principles on, on, on leading, it works. And when I was a manager, I didn't try to boss people around all that much. There were times when I had to say, do something just because I said to do it. But for the most part, I showed them, number one, that I could do the work. And then, number two, why they were doing the work. And then usually people would do it the way they were supposed to do it. Because it was a gentleness to it, a serving attitude to it. And Jesus is there saying, be the servant. If you want to be first, be last. And oftentimes, if you've got this mentality, and a true mentality, and and when I say these things, we don't take and use these things as games, okay? But if you really want to be somebody, you know, Jesus said, don't take the chief seat. Otherwise, you'll be embarrassed when somebody more important than you comes along and they ask you, uh, go, go find another seat. And by that time, you may be sitting in the furthest part away. You're better off sitting someplace low and then being the one that was pulled up. And then you get that, that position because it's an embarrassing, to be, very embarrassing, embarrassing thing to be moved. <laughs> Like in a restaurant, you
1: have a, reservation or a place, and they say, oh, we have something more important
0: than you now. Yeah, I know. I've never gone to a nice enough restaurant to have that happen, yeah. but... Uh,
1: we have a celebrity here. you
0: got to move. I probably would tell them, tough, you know, I'm here. But, but, but yeah, it, more of this is in your feasting and your banquets, or if you go to an award ceremony where, you know, where they would put the most important people that are going to get the awards would usually sit up close to the front. Because the last thing they want is the award winner to be at the, the very back of the place and have to work, you know you know, push their way through all the all that. So they usually bring the award winners up or have a reserve table for them. But but Jesus' attitude was Be humble minded. Don't be looking to be number one. And I've met pastors that are true servants and leaders and I've met pastors who think that there's something special. You know, you've got to treat me, you know, especially those that have their doctorate. I'm not pastor so and so, I am Doctor so and so and it's like, well, you know, you know, all good and fine for you, but you know, I hate the term doctor because to me, doctor is a different title. It's not. It's not the same as a pastor. And if I had a doctorate, I wouldn't even want to be called doctor because Princeton's coed now. Huh?
1: Princeton's coed. It's it's been years. has been. But Prince,
0: get it? Princeton? Oh, it's always been a coed no, school.
1: Princess, princess thing. don't. Oh, no. no. Anyway, it was. Kind of, I just. Heard about that? I mean,
0: news travels south to me? Uh, well, it's always—it's always been, as far as I know, it's always. I been never know to so not be going. I just heard about it recently. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's always been going, cool, as, as I know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it was originally founded as a seminary, but I mean, it was—it was always a. Uh, it was always male. So. I mean, I'm a word male. <laughs> and it says you are bought with a price, and this word price is the value placed on something. Okay and we are not to be servants of the men and what is the price that we are bought with christ's blood it it always amazes me at the price that god has placed on us (laughs) we're made in his image and the price that he said that we were valued he's decided we were valuable enough for himself to come to this world (laughs) and die for us and and I don't know if that means as much to you all as it does to me, but it is just an amazing thing to me that he places that high a price on us. And unfortunately, most of us don't push put that high a price on, on ourselves or others. Because if we did, we would treat each other very differently than we do. If we really put the, understood that the price that each individual in this world is worth was the price of his blood, for him to come down to this world and, and be... Take on all sin. That to me is an amazing thought. And that's one of the reasons I try to treat people as good as I can. You know, when people are, are misbehaving and, and everything, and, you know, I I know they're sinners and I know that's who they are, so I'm going, but Jesus died for them. Doesn't mean that I'm always perfect in it and that I don't get get ruffled at times. But for the most part I try to just love people. Jesus died for them. He put a great price on them. Jesus was hard on the Pharisees and the scribes because they thought they were all important and righteous and everything. And he liked to kind of put them in their place a little bit. But even there, he was loving them. He was trying to get them to a place where they realized that, hey, you may think you're special, but you are nothing but a sinner as well. You know, Because the scribes and Pharisees really didn't think they were sinners. They thought they had it all put together. That, you know, I am... <laughs> I admit, I've got, I keep all of God's laws. Because you think about the, the rich young ruler, which would have been a scribe or a Pharisee. And what was his answer to Jesus? He said, you know, go keep the, go keep the you have Moses, go follow the laws. And he goes, I've kept them all since my youth. Yeah. Talk about being arrogant. <laughs> I've kept all the laws. I haven't broken any of them. <laughs> and then Jesus gives him just a couple to show him that he hasn't even kept all the laws. And then he says, go and sell all that you have. And Jesus wasn't necessarily telling them that, it, to, that, you know, you had to be poor to be, to be a Christian. You had to give away everything. But he was making one great point because when he left, he goes, he went away sorrowful because he had much. He had an idol. And his idol was his money. And he wasn't going to let his m- money go so that he could follow God. So he, God was basically showing him, Jesus was showing him, you've got a God before God. You've got money as your God. And... You know, this is important for us, that we're bought with a price and that we are to be God's servants, and it says, not the servants of men. We are not to give our will wholly over to the world's system. And the problem with that is our greatest desire, because of our flesh, <laughs> is to give our will over to the to the world. And so this verse is kind of an interesting one. You have been bought with a price, so do not be the servant of the world. Our flesh is to be crucified. We're to be the servant of Christ. And oh, don't I wish that the number one, that I could be his servant, wholly committed to him, but not only me, but all those that, that name his name, it would be such a different world if everybody was a, truly a servant to God. Truly. Now, hopefully it's one of those things that we get better at. The more we do it, the The more we... The world would be a much
1: happier place if we were all servants of of Jesus.
0: If even only the ones that were Christians who named his name were, it would still be a better place. Uh, Especially in America, where most people, quote, unquote, are Christians. The sad thing is, and we've talked about this, unfortunately, I would say the majority of those in America that claim to be Christians probably aren't. They, they're a Christian because they've gone to church all their life. They're a Christian because mom and dad went to church. Because they're American. They're a Christian. I don't hear that as much as I used to, but in the 70s and 80s, you heard that a lot. I'm a Christian because I'm an American. Uh, but my, now you're hearing people say, well, I'm basically a good person. I try to do good. Uh, I go to church, um, you know, or even worse. Grandpa was a Christian, so I must be a Christian, <laughs> which is even worse because, they, you know, you're not even going to church. You're just saying, you know, my relatives were Christians. <laughs> and the sad thing is, there's going to be so many people that Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. And we need to be able to share the gospel. We need people to understand it's more than just saying I'm a Christian. It's more than saying I believe in the Bible. I heard one of the, the preachers talking to more, this morning coming up, and he's going, how many of you believe that good nutrition is important for good health? And, of course, I'm hoping that everybody raised their hand in his, in his church. He goes, how many of you eat good food all the time and never eat bad food? Keep your hands up. And I'm sure that every hand went down. And he says this is the same attitude of do we f- believe in Christ or not believe in Christ? If you truly believe, you're going to do something. You're gonna, it's going to change your life. And just as his point was, you know, if we really, really truly believe that f- good food is what we have to use to have a good life, we're going to... Eat good food, and I know people who are fanatical about <laughs> nothing but good food. Okay, and I know good food is better for me than bad food, and I use try to do as much as I can. But the bad stuff tastes so good. The bad stuff tastes good. It's cheaper. It's uh, especially when I was raised in a family of six. You know, it was like okay, I can spend a hundred hundred and fifty dollars a week on food that is just okay, or I can spend four hundred dollars that I don't have, and buy. The really good stuff. Well, it was an economic decision at that point. But with Christ, we need to make sure that we're looking at him. Is he Lord and Savior? Is he making changes in our life? And again, we're not going to be perfect. You know, I want to always make sure people understand. I don't believe we're going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. Just like in Galatians when we read the, the works of the flesh and, and we all commit those things and at the, rim, at the very end of that works it says those that in English it says those that commit these things shall not inherit the, the things of Christ. And in English it makes it sound like one sin and you're, you're, you're gone, you're, you've lost your salvation but that's not what it says in the Greek. It says those who have this as their character, do they live continuously in it? Do they not have conviction? God is saying we're to be like Him. Unfortunately, we're not going to be perfect in this world. But we should be seeing ourselves become more and more perfect. Become more like Him. When you've been walking with God for 40 years, you should be able to look back and say, I have gone a long ways. (laughs) I am not the same person I was 40 years ago. If If you're the same person you were 40 years ago, there's something wrong with your relationship with God. Because all through this, he says, we become like what we worship. We become like who we hang out with. And we know that to be true. Watch your kids. You know, when your kids are being raised, watch your kids hang out with the wrong crowd. And slowly, they will become like the people they hang out with. Disobedient, disrespectful, whatever it is, they'll become like those kids. And the same thing as an adult. If we wanna go down the wrong road, we hang out with the wrong people. And slowly, we will become like them. And we may not even realize that we've done it. Again, it's gonna be one of those things we look back over our life and say, well, how did I become this, this drunkard, brawling person? You know. Well, you started hanging out with the people at the bars and became like them. How did I become this thief I became? Well, you started hanging out with people that just stole things for the fun of it. You know. How did I get into all this drugs and alcohol and all this stuff? Well, you started hanging out. Most people do not become a drunk, you know, just one way. Well, I'm going to go, well, I'm going to go to the bar and I'm just going to get drink and get drunk and be a drunk. That's not how it starts. You go out for whatever reason and have a few drinks with the, with the crowd, with your buddies. Very few people go out and take their first drinks by themselves. Now, it, it happens. I know it happens. But the majority of people who start down that path go out with the friends after work or, or on the party after school, and they start that process with others. And then they start getting the addiction. They start getting the time. Nobody goes out and says, well, I want to be a heroin addict and go shoot up a full full, full dose of heroin. They start out with smaller drugs and they work their way up. They get tricked into it by their friends or whatever. Uh, you know. You don't usually just go out and say, well, I'm going to go ruin my life today and, and, and go do things that are going to ruin it. It's something that you develop the habit of. It's going to be the same way with God. When we come to Jesus, for all of us in this room who have been who have Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we probably did not fully understand what we were doing when we asked Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. All we knew is that we were convinced that by the word of God that we were a sinner that was headed for hell and we needed Jesus. And we didn't know much more beyond that. And like I said, when I first was witnessing to all my friends when I got saved, my message was, you need Jesus because you're going to go to hell because of your sin. Well, how do I do that? I go, I don't know. Come to, Bible, come to Sunday school with me. I didn't have the whole message. I didn't even know most of the message. All I knew is that you needed Jesus. Uh, and i did not know how to do that or why to do you know how what the steps were to do. it all i know is i asked him into my heart and i didn't mean i didn't know how to express that to others. but it's so important that we learn to be his servant, his slave. we're going to turn to Ephesians 6.
1: i like that saying it's greater uh, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter that's
0: what jesus said. Ephesians 6? Ephesians 6. Okay. We're going to start at verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service to the Lord... And not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man does, the same shall, shall be received of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Excuse me, I got the hiccups. Boom. Oh. All right. So this is Paul talking to servants that are literal servants and slaves, and we kind of would be able to say this is when we when we teach this, we usually talk about this being an employ, you know, looking at this as employers for us. And its first thing he says, be obedient to your masters according to the flesh, with fear and tremble trembling in singleness of heart as unto God. All right. So when our service when we are working, our service should be as it is working for God. And I've seen too many people in the business, in the world, in the in the workplace, who do as little as they can get away with, and this includes Christians oftentimes, doing as little as they can get away with. And, and keep their job and depending on your boss that might be very little or not 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 much leeway at all but Jesus is saying you're being paid to work go work <laughs> or you're, you're 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 to work when you're when you're given a job and do your do it your best and this is what he goes on not as I service and this is kind of an interesting word I service not when you're being watched as men pleasers, you know, you're not trying to please, you know, treat, you know, and this one is study to please, to to please, okay. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've seen people, I've watched people work harder at not working than working. It would have been easier just to do the job. Yeah, I've seen people that have worked really hard at not working when it would have been easier just to go do the job half the time. and not g- not take the chance of being in trouble. And this is what it says, men pleasers. I'm studying that person to know how to please them. Well, many criminals
1: in prison have that same, same mentality. mentality. Start, work hard doing something criminal and they could just get a job. And it, yeah,
0: and in this case it's you know not as I service just when they're watching as men-pleasers, that idea of studying. I'm watching that person. What can I get away with? And it doesn't take employees long to know what the boss is going to let them get away with and what they're not going to be getting away with. And, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So he's, God is telling us that when we have a job, when we're working for somebody, in this case he was talking to servants, but also just workers, do it as if you're working for God. And that's going to change the way, the way people work. If more Christians took this attitude, you'd be looking at every company, every manager, every boss owner. They would be looking for as many Christians as they could get in their shop. But, you know, I've been there. I've been in a manager, and I've even hired Christians, and I kind of regretted sometimes hiring them because they didn't want to work. They were worse than some of my non-Christian workers. And I would get after them as a Christian sometimes. I'm going, you're, you're a terrible testimony for Christ. And they're going, what? You know, you're, not working, you're, not, you're not honoring God in your work. Well, I'm not getting paid enough. I go, I didn't ask you that. You're being paid what you agreed to work for. And that's something we have to remember. We, if we've got a job, we've, we've agreed to a pay. If you, don't want to, if you don't want to work for the pay they're giving, you don't take the job. Uh, and I've had people tell me that, well, that's easy, easier said than done. Well, I've done it. I've, I've had listened to what they said they wanted to give and what they wanted to pay, and I'm going, no, I'm going to do that work for that, for that pay and turned it down And because I knew that if I took the job, I was going to work very hard at whatever pay that I accepted. Plus the fact that I know that if they're working for a good company, I'll get a pay raise. You know, I, I know that. But this is the idea that we're to do His will with, uh, from our heart. We're to work hard, and I've seen this happen even in churches. A sad thing about churches is it's hard to motivate volunteers. A lot of times, a volunteer because they're volunteer doesn't take the take the job seriously. As Sunday school director, and how often did I have teachers that just blow off teaching that week because the easiest thing. You know, I'm not taking, talking about taking one or two you know weeks, you know, days off or even a month off in a in a year. It's just every month something would come up. <laughs> gotta go to this game, gotta go visit this person, gotta go do this. I go, why can't you do it on Saturdays? Yeah, you know, I couldn't say that, but that's what I wanted to say to him. You know, why aren't you willing to serve God with your whole heart? And I understand things come up. Believe me, I understand things come up. They do in the workplace. You know, that's why sometimes you need to take a day off at work. But the key is when we're doing things for God, are we taking it seriously? You know, I've had people say, well, you know, Ralph, why are you, why are you teaching five times a week? Because I believe that's what God wants me to do, to bring God's word to people. Am I being paid for five days a week? I don't know. I get paid. I get paid for whatever I do. No. I don't even want to break down what I get paid down to an hourly rate because I'd be depressed if I did.
1: I've had some lousy jobs, but to get over that, Marine guy Tommy, me no job is too big or small for a real person.
0: Things have to be done.
1: be a real person in your heart, to work hard and do it, if we you know it's not a good job or somebody got to do it. But there are,
0: some jobs that I would, there are jobs and there are people that I wouldn't work for. I had a company that they said they cared for their people and the people were important, and I took a management position with them because I truly believe that people are important. They're an asset to a company. Ethical. But what they did was they treated the employees like they were a commodity. Use them up and go to the next. I'm going, that's not how I do it. That's not how I handle my people. I can't work for, and I end up leaving the company, okay? And I've left more than one company because of The way they ran their place, or the way they the way they did things, and said, "No, I can't. I can't do things the way you want." I left a job one time because they wanted me to do illegal things. I'm going. I can't do it. You know, I can't do it. I'm not going to. They go. Well, you won't have a job. I go. Well, here's my keys, and I left. (laughs) Yeah. And the key is, where are you going to draw your line? Where will you draw the line when it comes to this kind of stuff? Are you going to stand up for God, or are you going to work as if you're working for God? And that can be a big, big challenge sometimes. I worked for a company where I was the hard worker. And I've shared this with you, and this was the worst company I went. I would go on break, and most of the people were already on break when I started my break. I would leave after my 15 minutes was up. And and the ones that were on break when I started were still on break when I left. And I have no idea when they went back to their desks, because I went back and I started working. And the same thing at lunchtime. They were already gone when I would start my lunch, and they weren't back when I came back from lunch. But I was working as unto God. was I gonna take it hard and feel like I was being abused? Well, I could have. Would it have done any good? No, I would have just felt miserable. You know, why are they cheating and I'm, and I'm working, my, working really hard and, and, you know. Again, this whole idea, attitude. Attitude in our, in our thoughts is the most important thing that we have. Are we focused on God or are we focused on the abuses that we have and the problems that we have? And the more we focus on all the bad things, the more miserable we're going to be. The more we focus on God, the better off we're going to be. Because when we start looking at God, he's our defense. He's our defender. He's going to be there. He's going to be doing what needs to be done. And he's going to keep us. And he is the rewarder. And we've talked about this in, in Proverbs a lot. He rewards both the good and the bad with what is just for them. And it's kind of funny when you think about punishment being a reward, but it really is. He is going to reward the evil with what they deserve. And that's to take away whatever they have. And God does it in his own time, which for us as humans is we always think we, we always think it's not fast enough. God gives them enough rope to totally hang themselves, you know, and says, okay, here you go, you know, how much how long do you want to treat my people? How long? And we're like God. Uh, the first time was enough. Uh, the second or third time, God, aren't you done with them yet? And He's going nope. You know, but eventually they will reap what they sow. They will end up being punished, and we will be rewarded for our patience if we keep if we keep keep uh, perseverance. And this is important for us to always remember and we just finished the Psalm 58 this last week and the very last thing is the righteous will be rewarded <laughs> okay we if we follow righteousness will be rewarded as long as we don't give up now that, it's hard sometimes to give up when we as in, in our human framework are saying okay God uh, I wanted you to act yesterday and you're not still not acting today they're still alive. Yeah, they're still alive. They're still doing bad things, God. why? You know, when, are you going, when are you going to take them out? And God says, I'll take them out when the right time is there. When he's given them enough chances that there is no way that they could say, I didn't know any better. I didn't have an opportunity. When people stand before God in judgment, they will be without excuse. Now, they technically are without excuse after one time. But they will really get you at the point where they are without excuse. There will be no excuse whatsoever for what they did because God has given them plenty of chances. And we just need to learn to love them for who they are, love them, and that's the hardest thing we have to do is to love people because some people just aren't that lovable. (laughs) And they're hard on us, and, they, and they, there are people that will make our skin crawl, that we have to deal with them. We just know they're going to be mean. We know they're going to be, going to be sarcastic. We know they're going to be cutting on who we are. That We know they're going to make fun of us. And yet God says, love them. And when we really think about it, even those of us that are saved Christians growing in Christ, how often do we treat God the same way that we're being treated by others? You know, so often. Every one of us. I know I do anyway. <laughs> and I've been walking with Him for a long time, and I know that I still say things to uh, to God, or at least act in ways that I shouldn't act, do things I shouldn't do. And I can almost picture God, if He was me, you know, one of us in the human, saying, "Oh, here we go again. This person just can't ever get it right." And luckily for us, that's not his attitude. <laughs> for us, it's, there's my son. It's making me sad that they're doing it, but I'm going to love them. I'm going to help them. God's love will be what brings people around eventually. Very few people will ever give, you know, be, you know if you come up to him, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, get right. <laughs> you know, that's not going to win too many people. <laughs> that's just going to make them sin more. It's going to send them like this this person's a nut. That person's a nut. How, you know, who are they? You know, but if you're coming to them and you're, you're, you're really showing that you love them, and you can, you, can, you can tell them that sin deserves hell, and that's where they're, they're headed if they don't make the decision. But there's a great difference between coming across angry and you deserve this and I'm, I'm really going to be happy when you get there, or please don't go there. Please don't go to hell because it is such so a bad place. And this is critical for us the idea that hell is is not a place that we want to see anybody go. The greater understanding we have of hell the greater thrust we're going to have of not wanting to see people go there. Because hell is so bad that we as humans don't want should not want to see anybody go there. Eternal punishment for wrongdoing. That's bad enough. Now if you just think about that, if you you wouldn't want the rest of your life being punished. You know, every day being punished because you made you made mistakes. Now there are people that live there because they're so bad that they make things. But if you think about that, literally being punished in painful ways. Because hell is a lake of fire. Hell is where you're going to be constantly reminded that you deserved it. Your conscience pricking at you. You will not have any of the 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 good attributes of God no love joy peace long-suffering nothing but hate bitterness despair for eternity it's a place that we don't want to see anybody go to and that is why we want to keep doing God's will we want to be an example of somebody that does it and then verse eight knowing that Whosoever, whatsoever good any man does, the same shall he receive of the Lord, which whether he be bond or free. We do good things because God gives us the ability to do it, and He receives it. He accepts it. He accepts it. And this is the this is one of those ideas that you cannot do good without God being the one that generates that goodness in you and our flesh doesn't want to do good. If it's not God doing it, we're truly not going to do good because usually when the wicked do something good, they're looking to get something out of the deal. I'm going to be nice to you because if I'm nice to you, you know, you'll be nice to me, or I'll, I'll get a reward, or I'll be blessed, or I'll, it might even be as simple as I'll feel good if I'm good to you. And if that's our motivation for doing good to somebody and being nice to somebody, it only goes so far. If I'm only going to be nice to you because I feel good being nice to you, that's not the end all. It is the idea of this is I'm gonna be I'm gonna be kind to you, I'm gonna be nice to you because God tells me to do that. To be to show you his love, I'm going to do that because he commands it. It's going back to being a servant, giving my whole will over to him and doing it simply because he said to. And ultimately that needs to be our reason. And like I said when I would train people I would train them this is why we do something and I would hope that that would be enough to motivate them to do it the right way but if it wasn't then they were going to do it simply because I said so I'm the boss I said so do it and if you don't want to do it then you won't be about you won't be working here okay I did not like being that hard of a person I liked them to do it because they understood why we were doing it and God wants us to do it because we understand why we're doing it. We're looking for that reaching out and bringing people to Christ. But bottom line is, we should be doing it because He said, Do it. Why should be we be in the Word of God? they Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. But we can also say that God just simply said, Be in His Word. <laughs> okay? Now, we can take it either side. I can do it because I want to stay. I want to. I want to not sin. I want to know what He wants me to do. Or I can just say I've got to do it because I got to do it. And one thing about obedience: if you just, even if you start out with just being obedient because you're going to be obedient, eventually your mind will change. If you start doing right because it is right, you know. And you see this: I'm going to start reading my Bible every day just because you know, Pastor's been saying I should, and God really wants me to, so I'm going to go read my Bible every day. After a while, it becomes, I really want to get into God's word because I'm being fed. I'm growing. And then you get to the place where I just can't wait to get into his word. <laughs> you, know, you start with just general obedience, and then you work your way to a place where I just, I have to do it. I have to do it. I am, I am at a place where I have to teach. You know, I, I, Jeremiah, in the book of Jeremiah, there was a place where Jeremiah was so angry with God, so upset at his treatment that he said, I will not speak God's word anymore. And then a little further goes, God's word burned in my mouth. I couldn't but speak his word. I'm that way. When I teach, I get to the way I just cannot not teach. And I just have so much fun teaching. I love to teach. Because that's what God has gifted me to do, and I just love and I love it. And it's not a burden to me. I teach five times a week not because I'm paid to do it, but because I love to do it. And I love to watch how other people learn from God. I love watching the, the lights go on in people's minds and their eyes when all of a sudden they realize, "Oh, that's what it means," Or, or "This is how it is applied to my life." And then beyond that, watching how they apply it. The greatest pleasure I have is of watching the people in this church growing, becoming more Christ-like, getting more in the word, loving each other. I love the fact that in this church we're seeing people actually love each other as opposed to when I first got here when it seemed like people tolerated each other. And, and And I can tell you honestly, two and a half years ago, it seemed like people tolerated each other more than loved each other here. And now we see people not even leaving after church. You know, there's times where it's been 30, 40 minutes, The church is over and people are still talking. And I love that. Because that means that God's love is starting to show up. You know, two and a half years ago we ended service and bang, everybody was gone. It's like, okay, where is everybody? Nobody said anything to anybody. Nobody said anything when we came in. Nobody said anything on the way out. And now people are coming early enough to talk. They're coming, they're staying afterwards and talking. Why? Because God's love is starting to come out. Is that anything I've done? All I do is teach God's word and lift Jesus up. Now, yes, it's partially because I'm here, but it could have been anybody here with the same mentality that could have done it. But I take pleasure in seeing it happen because the love of God's happening. First Peter Chapter 2, starting at verse 15. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of the foolish men. As free men, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God, honor all men, love, your, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. I want to kind of gear in on verse 16 as free not using your liberty liberty for a cloak of maliciousness does anybody remember what we defined liberty as a couple weeks ago when we were on Sunday no the actual definition of liberty that we want to live by is doing as we ought not as we would liberty literally means total freedom okay we are free to do what we want but true liberty is to do what we should or ought not what we want to. Okay, and that is to love others and to build others up and to edify. We are free, and in this verse it says, don't use your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness. And that is saying, well, I can do what I want because I'm free. (laughs) And Peter is saying, it's not that way. You are the servant of God. And again, servant means the one who gives over his will to another's. All right, so he's saying, you have liberty, you have liberty, you can do what you want, but you're also the servants of the Lord, and you're giving yourself over to his will, so you should live like he does. And this is a very important thing. I have liberty, I can do, I am free from the law. I literally am free from the law and can do what I want, but I should be under his, his service.
1: The impression, you have to give a good impression of what you represent. representing God. Company or whatever it is liberty in the military, you yeah. have to represent the, the whatever
0: you're. Especially if you're in uniform, you still had to represent yourself as a as a military person. Yeah,
1: represent
0: uh, who you. Represent. But this whole idea—we have liberty. We, we can do what we want because Jesus has paid for it. Now, it would be hard to be a Christian if you had the character of always doing wrong, because then you have to say, "Am I am I truly in relationship with Him?" But it says we have the liberty to do what we want, but we are His servants. We are his servant. We are, we are free to do what we want, but we, have, we give our will over to him. And the more my will is given over to him, the more I want to do what he wants me to do. And this is the great place where we see it. We get him so much into us that we change. He is so much into us that we change. And I act like him because he is in me. He's changing who I am. He's changing my very core of my being. And this is important for us to understand. God changes the core. I've heard people say, well, I just can't give up such and such. I go, who's asking you to give it up? God will deal with it. Okay? And this is why it's so important. We give the gospel message. The gospel message is we're a sinner headed for hell in need of Jesus. Once Jesus is in us, he is really the only one that can change our core beliefs. And our core beliefs are, are founded in us early on in our lifetime. One of the reasons the government wants to get these kids into daycare and, and, and pre, pre-schools and everything is they especially want to get them away from Christians who are giving them the core values of Christianity. Because if you can get the kid away at, at two, three, four years old and you start teaching them what you want them to believe, that's become their core value. And this is why I'm critical on who teaches kids in a, in a, in a church. Because it can't just be anybody who doesn't know their Bible. Because if it's just anybody, who knows what they're going to be taught about God and the, and, and the Bible? And it's got to be somebody who understands the Bible. Otherwise, the kids are going to have the wrong core values. And believe me, I've taught enough adults to know that they've been taught, a lot of times, they've been taught wrong in, by their Sunday school teachers. You know, little things that you hear, you know, God helps those who help themselves. There's a lot of people that believe that that's a scriptural <laughs> reference. And it's exactly backwards from what the scriptures teach. Uh, God helps those who turn their life over to him and let him do the, do the work. Okay? God is not one that says, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, I, and I'll reward you. He says, just surrender.
1: Yeah, Satan will help those that help themselves too. Yeah, <laughs> right into hell. Right.
0: And this is what he's saying. We're at liberty, but we're his servants. We are to serve him with all that we have and be who he is and be crucified. I'll have our first crucified and live up to what he wants us to do, not because I'm doing it, but because I'm surrendered. (laughs) I've surrendered my will. I've surrendered who I am, and I do it because he works out of me. And the great thing is that he rewards us for that. All right, we're going to close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. We ask you, Lord, to help us become your servants. Help us always to place you first and put our will completely under yours. Lord, we ask that you put people in front of us that need to hear the gospel, and we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.